Is outrage culture becoming mainstream culture? Today on the Livewire Politics Podcast, we discuss how to stand up to the mob. And welcome back to the podcast. Hope everybody had a fantastic week in these ever-changing and ever-evolving times. I know things are getting strange because I only saw half the amount of Justin Timberlake memes on May 1st, which if you don't know what I'm referring to, hop on Google. We wanted to thank everyone who downloaded the previous episode. We also wanted to thank everyone who's been sending messages through our social media platforms. We had a handful of brand new subscribers last week. We are starting to do new short videos on our Instagram and Facebook pages. So if you have not yet subscribed or followed those pages, please do so. Uh, more exciting content coming out daily. But first and foremost, thank you again for being here. We know your time is valuable and uh, to spend 15 to 20 minutes with us each week talking about topics that we find important. We just want to say again, thank you. So with that, let's jump into the episode. Today, we're going to talk about outrage culture. And, you know, this topic has been sprinkled in many of the other episodes, but we wanted to spend one episode specifically talking about what outrage culture is. Is it perhaps becoming mainstream culture? Has it changed in the last few years since the last time we covered this topic? So first, what is outrage culture? And I pulled the Urban Dictionary definition, which I think actually describes what we're going to be discussing today. So out of Urban Dictionary, outrage culture is when people play the victim card and bend over backwards to be as offended as possible when really they aren't. Using hissy fits, political correctness, character assassination, and a false sense of moral authority. The outrager hopes to gain power and public recognition for their brave act of justice just as much as to gain a sense of control over their own meaningless existence. Ouch. That's harsh. So is it true? I wanted to first start with a poll that was conducted in 2012 and also revisited quite recently. And the poll indicated that about half of Americans that were surveyed had removed themselves from participating in any political discussion or involvement because of fear of incivility or bullying. And the follow-up study showed that about 86% of those surveyed had reported being subjected to incivility or bullying. So that is telling us that people are feeling personally attacked. And, you know, we posted a quote this past week that got a lot of traction. And it's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. So getting back to our terms, I think it's really important that we separate what we mean by outrage because there are various forms of outrage and absolutely not all forms are unjustified. In fact, far from it. There is such a thing as righteous indignation. And what we want to do is separate uh, rightful, just outrage and mob mentality outrage culture. If we make a fork in the road, I think we'll have a much better understanding of, of where to go from here. So oftentimes what we've seen in recent years is outrage culture producing a mob mentality. And there are plenty of examples where we could see that when that mob mentality takes root, critical thinking and fact checking have pretty much gone out the window and it has been replaced with emotional and reactionary approaches. This term has, for a considerable time now, you know, been used to silence any meaningful discussion, and it seems to mute 
all rational thinking. You know, this has become some newfound tendency to assume the worst of intentions when reacting to either a news story or a statement without actually waiting to see what the facts are. And, you know, it's actually been a year now since the Covington Catholic High School debacle, uh, where you probably remember the image of what appeared to be a young high school student wearing a MAGA hat confronting a Native American elder with a grin or a smirk on his face. And the image itself in the cropped video circulated before it was fully vetted. And this young man's reputation was completely thrashed in the next 24 hours by almost every major news media outlet, including the uh, school in which he represented himself. And it wasn't very soon after that the full-length video at different angles was presented, and you could easily see that the confrontation was started by the Native American elder, not the high school student. In fact, the high school students had joined in on the chant, and they were rather supportive. But by the time that evidence came out, there had already been countless death threats against these kids and painting them into this image of what the mob wanted them to be. And again, this is just one example. It happens both on the left and the right. But this example, since it was just a year ago, it's still fresh in our memories, right? So I wanted to play a very quick clip from some guy I found online. I was just searching on YouTube and... I don't know, this guy popped up, and I thought, okay, he makes a pretty decent point here. So um, without further ado, here's some guy. You know, this, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids. But I do get a sense sometimes now among certain young people, and this is accelerated by social media, there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. (laughs) So that was obviously President Obama. But I will say that after this clip, it mostly was received fairly positive within, you know, both conservative and liberal and independent camps. But there was definitely still some blowback from those comments from the woke machine including a column from the New York Times calling the former president an out-of-touch boomer. So this is a good indicator, however, I want to say, because we are starting to wake up to this idea that outrage culture is a disease. And this hypersensitivity that we have is really infecting our society. You know, undesirable language is now equivalent to physical violence, many would say. You know, where an old tweet or Facebook post can be grounds to ruin your career or indict you in public shame, you know, where the absence of reason, you know, in fact, encourages uh, a public indictment. You know, we have these moral crusaders out there now that are uh, not going to let you get away with something that you may or may not have said in some period of your life. 
at some distant time, everything will come back to haunt you. You know, and I think for the sake of this discussion, you know, we really want to meditate on this idea about offensive speech and what it means to be offended, because there is a very important distinction to be made between overtly offending someone with your speech and going after their person or their character with the intention to offend them and speaking and thinking in such a way that someone might become offended. And if I could have a statement of the episode, it is this. In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. One more time. In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. And this applies to any topic where someone might have a strongly held belief. You know, every time someone criticizes Tony Romo for being a mediocre quarterback, I have to be the first one in the comments thread defending my guy. It really doesn't matter what the topic is. But I think a much needed shift for all of us right now is to not abandon thought because we're worried that someone might take offense to what we might express, what we might find, or how we might argue. So I wanted to now round third base of this episode and kind of create a call to action with both a roadmap and then also a call for civility. So first creating a roadmap to reinvent almost or recreate a resilient American culture. You know, we have to have meditations on various mindsets of perseverance and failure and seeking out heroes. And we also need to find an antidote to what Dan Crenshaw would call a prevailing safety culture of trigger warnings and safe spaces. You know, I've been alive long enough to know that the real world does not offer you a safe space or a trigger warning. So I just read Don't Burn This Book by Dave Rubin, and it's a great book. Please go out and get it. Uh, If you skim over to the chapter entitled Never Surrender to the Mob, Rubin gives three tips on how to survive when you're in the eye of the storm. So I wanted to read a quick excerpt and get your feedback. So number one, stand tough. You can only become a kind person if you admire through the surviving hardship. Hmm. As human beings, we usually only learn to take life seriously when our world comes into question. So although a mob attack might seem like a worst-case scenario, recognize that it's actually an opportunity for growth and self-discovery. Then act upon it. Number two, never apologize. This means having the courage of your convictions, right when the pylon is most intense. At this point, it might be tempting to wave the white flag of surrender and apologize, but don't do it. This is the precise moment when you need to keep going with your head held high. And finally, number three, accept that you'll lose friends. Everything starts to click when you start to figure out who you are, but the process of self-discovery is often painful, requiring you to let go of people. Fight hard to maintain your friendships, especially the new ones, but don't be anyone's doormat. At some point, you'll have to let someone go. This is very sad, but embrace it like you would any breakup. And believe it or not, you'll make new friends who will accept you exactly for who you are. So those are his three tips. And I'd love to know your feedback. Maybe drop me a line at livewirepolitics.org. Comment on one of our social media pages. I'd love to know what you think about those three points. Uh, It brings up the age-old question, who do you want to be? 
not what, but who. And finally, we want to have a call for civility. And I think it's important for us to really know that civility can be robust and passionate and even argumentative. And it's just so long as we are respectful of our views and opinions and we're also open to the idea that people can change their opinions over time. Uh, You know, myself, I look at the time where I really believed that the Mayan calendar was real and that the world was going to end in 2012. And yet here we are. People's lives can change and their experiences vary. And ultimately, what they experience can impact how they look at the world. And you never know where they are in that journey. But before we can make that change, we have to first make sure that our rooms are clean, right? We got to make sure that we are taking care of our own internal thought process. We are treating each other in our sphere of influence with respect and dignity. And we can't look to our elected officials or our entertainers to set the, the tone for us. We have to be the ones that do it. You know, while I was researching for this podcast, I came across a letter from our second president, John Adams, who in one of his letters to his wife was worried that our future assembly members would be influenced by noise and not sense. And his letter goes on to warn of the dangers of not acting with respect to one another and how that can damage our institutions to a point where they will fall apart. Do you agree? I'd love to know. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Livewire Politics Podcast. A blend of civility and outrage culture all in one. We want to thank you again for all the support. We do have a Patreon link, so if you feel like contributing to keep the lights on, as we call it, please feel free to do so. Our link is in the show notes. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, future topics that we can review, send me an email. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. Wash your hands and stay safe, my friends. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.